Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of our loving, life-giving, liberating God, amen. Please be seated. The Beatitudes are a tough text to preach, and particularly this version that we get today from Luke. Episcopalians often prefer Matthew. Matthew skips all the cursing, all the how terribles or woes. And in the blesseds, Matthew includes two magical little words, in spirit, as in, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's easier for many Episcopalians to swallow. Luke's version makes us worry God might have something to say about our economic lives. Matthew sublimates. But I'm going to take a risk here today. I'm going to ask you simply not to tack on in your mind the words in spirit when you hear that first beatitude from Luke. What happens if we believe Jesus when he simply says, blessed are the poor? We're an economically diverse congregation. And not only in present circumstances, but in families of origin. I know many of you in this congregation grew up poor. You don't want to hear some preacher, particularly a preacher who grew up with some economic privilege, tell you that God wants you to be poor. You've been there, you've done that, you're not going back. Now, I'm not here, thankfully, to tell you that God wants you to be poor. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. But most of you also know me well enough to know I'm also not going to tell you that God wants you to be rich. There are plenty of churches that sell that version of the gospel. If you're looking for a preacher to tell you God wants you to be rich, those churches are legion. And you can identify many of them by their nice parking lots. It's tricky. This is a tricky gospel, though, for folks like us, who live like us, to to read, to listen to. But what happens if we take Jesus at his word, blessed are the poor, if we don't subconsciously add in spirit? A friend, Miguel Escobar, has a idea about this. He's an Episcopal lay theologian. He just had the first chapter of his forthcoming book, The Unjust Steward, published. And the book is a meditation about wealth and poverty and the church. Miguel writes in this first chapter that's up online about his upbringing in Texas and about sitting vigil with his grandfather Eusebio as he died of cancer, skin cancer. His uncles and aunts are all sitting around at the table with his parents, and they're telling stories of the summers they spent taking long car trips from Texas up to Wisconsin to work as migrant laborers on family farms. As his grandfather lays dying, Miguel finds himself wondering 
about what went through the minds of the, men's, the men in the cockpits of the crop duster planes, dropping chemical pesticides on the fields full of migrant laborers. Poisonous snow, Miguel imagined. Did those pilots have any idea how many of the people below would die of skin, prostate, brain, leukemia, cervix, or stomach cancer? Did those pilots have any sense their faith might have something to say about what was happening? Miguel has come to believe that in this chapter of Luke, Jesus is proposing what he calls a great reversal. In the Beatitudes, particularly in Luke's telling, the poor are blessed, and Jesus says, woe to the rich. How terrible for you who are rich. And Jesus wants to upturn the status quo, but it's not as simple as a reversal of fortunes. And Jesus doesn't want the poor to become rich and the rich to become poor any more than Miguel wants, wishes that his grandfather could have been the one up there in the airplane dumping the chemicals. It's a greater transformation, a greater reversal that Jesus dreams about. God dreams of a world where no one finds themselves a victim or a victimizer. Jesus lived in a world not so different from our own. There was a quiet, implicit economic theology at play in Jesus' time. At least subconsciously, the, the poor were believed to have merited their status. And someone in the family must have sinned for such a terrible fortune to have fallen. And today, how often do we quietly wonder about whether this poor woman in front of us is just lazy? Is that unhoused family simply unwilling to work hard to make rent? Well-meaning city councils regularly pass laws and are trying to push the poor away. There's a story in the New York Times this week about an Episcopal parish in Oregon that is suing their city council because the council passed laws explicitly to curtail this church's decades-long feeding ministry. They tried to make it so they could only feed people a couple of times a week, not every day. In his writing, Miguel mentions a poster which hangs on the wall behind one of the activists he interviewed. It says simply, fight poverty, not the poor. Jesus would agree, I think. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor, I think you can also hear Jesus saying implicitly, poverty is hell, let's end it. And we live in a city, we live in a country where so many churches bless wealth. And Christians post pictures of expensive cars or houses and write hashtag blessed. How do we reintroduce Christians to Jesus? How do we reacquaint ourselves with Jesus? How do we help folks see that God is in the business of welcoming the stranger, embracing the outcast, lifting up the poor? How do we shift the subtle theology and the not-so-subtle claims about who God blesses and who God curses that are so often used to bully. I had the privilege this week of interviewing your senior warden, Rudy Nickens, as part of our preparation for the annual meeting that just happened. 
Something that Rudy said in our conversation, which is still up online, it's been sticking in my mind for days. Uh, we were talking about the new stained glass that's being produced right now by the artist Kababi. And there are pictures up on our social media. And we hope to install the window later this spring right there by the altar in the chapel. Kababi posted a picture of the resurrection scene still in progress. The risen Christ is visibly black. We're talking dark brown skin, teased out Afro, black Jesus. And Rudy said that while he doesn't always buy into lots of conversation about representation, this representation matters. It has meaning. He said, with so much pushback in the world right now against race and race theory, I love that what we're offering here at the church is a loving, sweet, beautiful contradiction. A loving, sweet, beautiful contradiction. Last week, Dr. Sharonica Hardin-Bartley was in this pulpit, superintendent of U City Schools. She and the education community are on the front lines right now facing people who, in the name of their faith, in the name of their sense of patriotism, are fighting against race theory, against public health measures. And I hope that Dr. Hardin-Bartley found our congregation to be a loving, sweet, beautiful contradiction to all she's facing. Friends, I think our senior warden's words name well what Jesus is doing in these Beatitudes in Luke. These are tough words for those made comfortable by the status quo. But Jesus' words, like the power that the gospel says is going out from him, those words are healing balm to those who find themselves sick, forgotten, ignored, or persecuted. And too many people still find themselves in the drop zone. Too many people still find themselves struggling to find the bottom rung of the so-called ladder of success. And Thomas Merton used to say that many of us spend our whole lives climbing the ladder of success, only to find it was leaning against the wrong wall. Too many people do not have access to economic mobility, to adequate housing, to healthy food, to quality health care and education. Too many people have been bullied or worse on account of race, gender, language, skin color, ability, age, sexual orientation. God has to bless the poor, the hungry, the weeping. Because in our society, as in the society of Jesus, too few people are paying attention to those who suffer. Do we have the courage to believe Jesus when he says, blessed are the poor, not to add additional qualifiers? Do we have the courage in our own lives to try and make that loving, sweet, beautiful contradiction of a blessing a little more present for those to whom it will matter most. Amen.